speak your truth we're back with miles costin part two he wanted to talk about expectations of black athletes from their families their community during their playing career and after he recently uh, finished up his baseball career his college baseball career and is experiencing the same things that i did and still do to this day after i finished playing um, and he's in for a long haul and so are the rest of you when you guys finish playing all the questions that you're going to be asked and just know you don't have to answer them uh, simple as that enjoy this episode and thank you as always for tuning in Speak your truth. We back with Miles again. Part two already. I love it. Miles, what's up, bro? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just hanging out, man. What's up with you? Man, I can't complain. You know, I really can't complain. I'm on here with you. It's a beautiful Wednesday night. It's raining. I literally asked God for rain and it's raining the last two days. So I feel like weather woman over here controlling stuff. I think I am. Right? I think I am. <laughs> I feel like I'm that connected, Miles. I don't know. But, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful, man. I can't complain. So you hit me up, which I love. I love, I love, I love. And you wanted to talk about the expectations of athletes of color, specifically black athletes. We know I don't like mm-hmm. using that word no more, but for lack of better terms today, for black athletes. But what's interesting, as you said, within our families and community instead of from everybody else. So I'm yeah. super interested to hear what you have to say. So what's up? Uh, I mean, it just is something that's been on my mind for a long time. Yeah. Um, something I was super conscious of as a kid. And I'm sure, you know, people listening, they might have they might be able to resonate with this as well, but, you know, a lot of us athletes of color, you know, specifically African-American athletes, we come from families that don't have that financial background. You know, they don't have maybe a family business to fall back on. They don't have, you know, the means to where, you know, their family can support them for a very long time or their family can really pitch in once they, you know, get to adulthood, you know, get the 18, you out the house, you get the 18, you're on your own, stuff like that. You know, and a lot of kids, you know, their only way to get to college is through athletics. You know, it's either you you graduate high school and you go work or you graduate high school and you're on a scholarship to go play. And that's maybe the only way you're getting to college or you do the community college route. And then once those university bills start coming in, it's like, hey, I'm I'm out. I'm dipping, you know. Um, So for me, it was always super I was always super conscious of it. Um, Yes, my family wasn't super financially uh affluent you know we weren't um poor by any means but um we were you know lower middle class middle class at best we weren't out there you know going on vacations all the time or you know stuff like that you know we made things work with with school and with baseball but that's about it you know we're 99 cent store grocery store every week you know (laughs) that's just how it that's just how it was um but back to the expectations of it, you know, as a kid, you know, when you're conscious of that stuff, it puts a little bit more pressure on yourself, you know, maybe it's not the family that's that super, you know, pressure oriented on you, but your own, your own self pressure, because like, hey, this is my own shot, you know, at least that's how I felt like, and I'm sure that's how other people may feel as well, it's like, hey, if this sports thing doesn't work out, or if I don't get a good connection from this sports thing, this is, this is it. I'm another hometown hero. You know, the kid that, that went to high school in the hometown, that the, that the people knew for sports, 
hey man, this kid was really good in high school. This kid did this not, this not. He went to junior college, this not. And then you see him doing whatever he's doing in his hometown. Hey mm-hmm. man, I got to, he got to 21, 22 years old and he's done. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like every other average show that didn't have any type of athletic background, you know? So that pressure pressures a lot, you know, when it's not so much about, hey, you know, I have these goals for myself, but hey, I have these goals for myself. So that way I can set up the next generation beyond me, you know, so I don't have to keep that same cycle. And then with the community, you know, you don't want to be that hometown hero. You know, we all, especially the those of us that grow up in a small town, you know, that has maybe one in-town high school that everyone, at least for me, you know, growing up in Pittsburgh, California, we have one high school, you know, beautiful high school, beautiful high school, but very small town town very generational you know so you grow up here and if you end up going to high school here obviously you go to high school here we have a community college in the town so if you don't go off to a university you go to a community college that's in the town and then if you don't go off to a university after that you pretty much stay in town you know and you work and you do what you gotta do whatever whatever and then the cycle continues you know so for me like I grew up um my parents were separated both my parents lived in Pittsburgh pretty close to one another about 10 minutes or so my dad lived down the street from high school you know and he coached football um so growing up I was always always at the high school always there we, he lived down the street to the point where Friday nights would come the varsity game you could hear the band from our house it was that close you know yeah I mean it was loud but we were also we were also super close um, and the high school, Pittsburgh High, was, was great. A very good athletic school with uh, football. Basketball pretty good, but football is like their sport, you know. Um, and I grew up, you know, always, you know, around the football team, around the school in general. Um, and a lot of really good athletes went through. A lot of really good athletes, a lot of really good people. Um, I was fortunate enough to create some friendships with them as a little kid and stuff like that. But um, always remember, you know, hearing these names and as a kid I was like oh man he was like famous he's whatever you know what I mean because you know they're they're like idols to me as a little kid you're hearing names and then you grow older and you're still hearing these names but you don't hear any of these names past the high school level you know what I mean and then you come back and you see them you know doing things that you know you didn't expect them to do you know, you expect them to go be these stars, to go have this great impact. And maybe they did, but, you know, you're back in the hometown. And for me, that created a fear. For me, I was like, hey, I don't want to be a dude that, you know, created this name for himself and then either didn't work out at, at whatever level it was or just something didn't work out in general. And then I come back and then it's like, well, you did all this work and did all this, that, and the other, and you're right back here with all the rest of us. You know, so, you know, community wise, the expectations, I don't know, maybe they didn't think of me that way. I don't know. You know, maybe the the community in itself doesn't put other athletes in that same type of pressure bubble. But I'm sure there are some communities that do, you know, and other athletes that are like conscious of it. You know, so that's a lot. And I just wanted to to speak to that and, and let people know that, like, hey, you know, it's okay to feel that expectation like it's very real very very real you know and uh I feel like the best thing you can do is just communicate with people about it I know for me like with my family 
I had to, I got to a point, um, like, I think it was like my, my last year in North Carolina where like, I had to like tell them like, Hey, like I need, I need a little bit of space with athletics. You know what I mean? I, I want to be able to handle my stuff, but like talking about it and stuff like that all the time, like really started to weigh on me. Cause you get to a point where like, you feel like it's your identity. You know, it's one thing for other people to think of you as an athlete and so like, okay that's a little bit more passable because that's how they really know you that's how they know you uh whatever capacity they hear about you as an athlete and they read about you athlete talk about other people oh so and so has a game you know that's how they relate to you um but family friends community stuff like that you know i felt like that was starting to become more of like my identity to them and I didn't want that to be like my identity for myself. And that was something I really struggled with. I felt like the community expectation I was, I was like assuming that I had on myself and like the family expectations and stuff like that. I felt like for me, like that really had like a really big impact on my identity. Mm-hmm. What I felt like my identity was, I associated myself as a baseball player. So I always had, um, I was always conscious of those expectations within the family in the community but then I was also super conscious more so like when I left high school of like hey like I need to start separating myself as an individual from the sport I play definitely did your parents ever um put any pressure on you to like use baseball as a tool to help take care of them or was it just it was for you like that was your thing uh, no, I mean, it was, um, it was my thing, but uh, really just what I was conscious of was more so like the college, like the next level of it, um, the college aspect of it, like, hey, you know, if we don't, you know, if this baseball thing doesn't work out, you know, this, this college thing might not work out. And yeah, they were always willing to, um, to do what they had to do to, to make things work for me. You know, but I never wanted it to get to a point where they had to like take out loans or do something financially on their end that put themselves in a hole. You know what I mean? To help me out. Definitely, that's real. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to put that pressure on them, and then have that pressure transfer over to me because as soon as I graduate, that debt's all mine. You know, yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so I, that's not something. That's not something I wanted to do. Um, my parents were always super helpful with everything. Um, I just think the communication of it is something that, that lacked, you know? Um, but yeah, this, the, uh, back to the question was just, they didn't put any pressure on me, but it was more so what I was conscious of. I was like, Hey, like, you know, if school's fifteen dollars $20,000 a year, yeah. do, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You have to go JUCO first, get a job. You got to do something, though. Exactly. You got to do what you got to do. And I definitely feel you with the whole hometown hero thing. So I want to ask you, like, now that you're still playing, Mm -hmm. when you're done, what do you think it's going to be like if you go back home? Oh, I'm back. I'm I'm back home now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm back home and I'm I'm officially done on – Oh, I was done on May, in May. Okay, okay, okay. My last one. And it's it's something. This was something I was always very, very conscious of. And almost, I don't want to say afraid, but, like, I was, I, yeah, it was kind of afraid of when the situation came. 
Um, but I know there's one instance for sure when um, we, we have in Pittsburgh, there's this thing called the Michael Valley Tournament. And basically what it is, it's a fundraising tournament, a co-ed softball tournament that's put on every year, the same weekend every year. It's like the second or first weekend in August, something like that. And when I tell you it's like a thing, it's a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Like thousands of people at this community park. And this community park has a good amount of fields, probably like six or seven. Wow. But we're talking barbecues, music, all the little chair, everything. What? Talking about all the all everyone in the county shows up who like, you know, wants to play or like played ball or whatever. And I played in it one time when I was 14. And you know, I guess told like I talked about in like the other episode, I didn't. You know, I went to middle school, and elementary school in Pittsburgh. But I went to high school at Dale South, a couple towns over. You know, and even growing up playing baseball, I never really played baseball in Pittsburgh outside of when I was like six through like nine, and everything else I was out traveling, doing whatever, playing ball. So I never played in Pittsburgh. Obviously, like I grew up there, so I knew people that played and this and that. And they looked at me in like and like a completely different light. I was like the superstar. And for me, my personality, I don't like that type of recognition. You know, I'd much rather talk about whatever you got going on, talk about anything else other than me and my baseball stuff because back to the identity issue that's how everyone always related to me with so I played in it one time and I was 14 and then after that never again never every year every year would come up and I was like oh you're gonna play you're gonna play I was like no I'll come up with some excuse I don't want to get hurt and for the longest time it worked because eventually I was playing college ball and I was like a you know, this is a week, two weeks before I have to go to campus. If I get hurt doing this, I, you know, I'm scholarships on the line. Our coach going to be pissed. What are you doing hurting yourself playing a co-ed <laughs> softball tournament? You know what I mean? It's like you hurting yourself playing a co-ed pickup game. You know exactly. what I mean? It's over with for you, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for the longest time, didn't play, didn't play. Didn't even go to the tournament because I was like, I don't want to see people. I don't want to have people, oh, it's superstar, this and that, this and that. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm cool. You got to go have fun, whatever, whatever. So this August, I ended up going. I wasn't playing. I was like, yo, I need a break. I'm good. I need a break. I'm not trying to play. Let me just, let me just go. So my cousins had a team. I went out there, and every couple freaking minute, every time I would go and try and go to get water, go walk around, whatever, I see somebody. Really? Everybody, everybody why aren't you playing? And one, the did not, did not fail, bro. The one time, the first time I got there, it was a two day tournament. First time I get there, I'm walking through and I see my cousin. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, where are you guys playing at what field? So we walk over there. And I see a dude I've known for, I was like, since I was like five years old. So basically all my life and we played ball together, whatever. So I talked to him, whatever. And lo and behold, he's like, oh man, why are you guys, why are you playing this and that? And I was like, oh, I need a break, whatever. It's the same line I gave to, gave to everyone. Right. And, you know, I walk over back to where my cousin is and he sees someone so we walk over there and this dude that I've known for pretty much my whole life too. He's an older guy. It's like my, my parents age. So I've known them that way. 
I see him. He goes, "What's up, superstar?" And I was like, "Here we go. Here we go." And you get used to it. It's only what October. It's not even October yet. It's only September. I know. <laughs> you still got plenty of people to see. I know. I know. But it's I, I don't know, man. It's it's just something because it's like you know, no one else knows like anything else that's like going on in my life, you know. And that's been it's been that way for a long long time you know that's it's always hard, it? that's frustrating very right like you don't want to tell your business but you want people to know that there's more about you than i'm just a, a baseball player i'm just a basketball player i definitely exactly you know how it is it's like you know how's baseball how's basketball oh it's so-and-so is good or how's school and they're asking that question so that makes they make sure that you're doing whatever you got to do to stay on top of school so you can stay on top of your sport you know what i mean stay yeah. eligible make sure you're able to get scholarships or make it whatever make grades you know what i mean so it's always a loaded That's question true. on whatever end you know because it's always you know how is this how is this going how's school going oh school's going good oh dude how's how's baseball you getting any looks you know what i mean you got any scouts any recruiters how was the scholarships like what's this and that and it's like all right dude and then you know they get done asking their questions about that and it's all they'll take care of all right dude see you soon it's like all right dude cool 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 <laughs> yeah and so, so they don't even let you answer all the questions they just ask you like 10 back to back to back to back to back yeah know? man so yeah it's do been- it miles it's been like that. And you know how it is. I'm sure other athletes experience the same thing, you know, especially the ones that have had some success beyond high school or was projected to have some success from an early age. Definitely. You know, hey, this so-and-so's, you know, so, so you get introduced to families or whatever, or at family function. Oh yeah, this is my nephew. This is my this is my niece. She's a she's a basketball player. He's a baseball player. He's just not. It's not even bro. Oh. Even at the internship, my boy, my boy Steve, love Steve that he's a dude that hired me, man. Cool dude, cool dude. I met like there's it's a very small office. COVID, there's a handful of people still in the office. I've had, I've met like two, three people that, oh, you're the baseball player Steve was talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah nice to meet you, dude. Wow. Yep. Yep. Been through all that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, you said, many others have, and it's, it's crazy. Like we're sharing this and I never even thought about this. Like I told you before we started this, I never thought to um, even have a conversation with a former athlete period, not just on the podcast, but in general about their, experience so i definitely feel that and i i and for me like growing up in california we're obviously we're a big state you know so we have a lot of people i can't imagine what it would be like to have gone through that in a smaller state you know you give a washington and oregon ohio you know michigan anything it's bad it's bad i can't to have yeah, it's it's hard. Like it's for me, I'm I've been done playing for what now four or five years. I don't know, I lost track, but a while and having been at UConn in 11 years now. And people still to this day recognize me for that. Like, why did you leave UConn or 
you know, some people think that I finished at UConn and, and then went overseas. People don't have a fucking clue of what I did, but they're going to ask because they remember from that long ago. So that's why I'm telling you, get used to it because you're how old and you just stopped playing. So get used to it's going to happen the rest of your life. That's right. It just, you happened, there. it just happened. Uh, what was today? Wednesday. It happened on Monday. One of my friends I went to high school with, I see him. I've seen him probably this is probably my second or third time seeing him since we graduated but like we follow each other on social media whatever so like I don't really blame him because like we haven't seen each other but I saw him at the gym uh Monday and you know say what's up whatever whatever he goes hey dude like you still at uh where'd you go to high where'd you go after after high school you still at Fred at Fresno and I was like yeah yeah dude I went to I'm not Fresno so I'm not at Fresno anymore I finished up in North Carolina and I'm like damn like this was so six, seven years ago. Exactly. Yeah. And people still remember. And has he ever left from Pittsburgh? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I forgot where he went to college at. I was about to say, maybe not. Or maybe he just been back longer than you. But people, for whatever reason, remember more shit about you than you remember about you, which is crazy. It don't yeah. matter how long you leave. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was something. But yeah, that that whole, you know, pressure to not only live up to expectations for yourself, but, you know, live up to the expectation that you feel like you have to live up for, for your family and for your community, and that pressure like you put on yourself for that, and especially, you know, kids that come from families that aren't financially, you know, fluent enough to have something to fall back on, you know? Like, hey, if this doesn't work out, what are you going to do? Oh, shoot, I don't know. I don't have, you know, a trust fund or I don't have, you know, a fat inheritance or anything like that to fall back on. You know, I feel for those those kids going through that because I know I went through that, you know, and it was something that I'm more so I put on myself. But it was just something I was conscious of. It was a fact. You know, it was a fact. We didn't have, you know, a bunch of money to fall back on. You know, we didn't have... You know, when we didn't tuition money, I got, I was very fortunate. I had my first year, my only year at Fresno State, I ended up paying like $800 for the whole year for, and then I was the only tuition I paid all throughout college. The 800 um, is still a lot for some people too, though. Exactly. Crazy, yeah. Exactly. I was, I was very fortunate enough for that. But if, if it would have got up in the thousands. You don't know exactly and that's something you know? that i want to do with the podcast um i know i shouldn't be telling everything i want to do but it's fine i believe that dreams will happen anyway is um to share people's stories so these middle school and high school kids who grow up in the hood or in the trailer parks or just wherever and 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 they are star athletes though. And nobody knows where they live at. Nobody knows that they go home and are hungry and their mom or, and or their dad is working however many jobs to take care of all their siblings. Um, so I would love to, if I could, you know, go into their homes and, and show what these kids go through or just sit down somewhere with their parents and with them and talk about our grandparents, whoever it is, because sometimes kids don't grow up with their parents. I went to, to school with a lot of kids who were foster kids and had no idea. Um, some athletes, some not, but like you just never know what people are going through. So I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation and pointing this out um, because many of our favorite athletes were starving at home growing up um, in one parent homes. 
uh, you know, poor and getting evicted, things like that. So some even foster kids. Um, yeah. So I'm very glad we're having this conversation and pointing this out. Definitely. Black athlete, do you feel like you had different expectations from your white teammates or like white peers who played sports? Um, like, you, like, are you asking me if, if I felt like they had different expectations of me or like the coaches had different expectations of us? Did the coaches have different expectations of you or even fans, so to speak, have different expectations of you and the other um, athletes of color? Or was it just was it pretty equal? Um, I don't know if it was necessarily expectations, but I just feel like, you know, and it's I feel like it's also the same with a lot of athletes of color, especially black athletes is like, you know, we have to be that much better than our white counterparts in order to get the same type of opportunity you know and mm -hmm. i don't know if i wouldn't necessarily say that the expectation from the coaches were different but i would say that i've had experiences where i was held to a different standard and that standard was a lot higher not to say that it's necessarily a bad thing it's not a bad thing to hold your players to a high standard but to, to hold your players to the same standard is the right way to do it, you know? And if you're going to set the bar high across the board, set the bar high across the board. Don't have one dude, don't have one dude or one girl at one level and have everyone else on a lower level and then start pulling the plug on people, you know, when they're not meeting their level, when their level is already higher than the other level. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, like in, in take it to like a basketball, you know, scenario, if you got, you know, a, a point guard of color, you know, shooting 50, 70, and 80 from the field, you know, and you got a white one shooting 40, 60, and 60 from the field, but you're benching black one as soon as they drop down to 50, 60, 70, it's like, hey, nope. you know, you get, you start, people start to get held to a different standard. Um, and they just have to be that much, that much better than others. And that's something that I, I didn't realize until like I got to college. And my grandfather was the one that, that started, you know, he, I mean, as a kid, he always, you know, dropped some little nuggets here and there and stuff like that. But I mean, I didn't really, you know, resonate with what he was saying because I didn't really have any type of perspective to have that type of vision and really, like, really understand but uh, my grandfather's, you know, in the mid, mid 70s, if I remember right. And he played basketball at University of Portland, um, grew up in Pittsburgh. And, you know, at the time when he was growing up, the town next to us was segregated. You know, black people were not, would not go into Antioch. And if you did, there was, you know, it was, it was dangerous, you know. And so he lived through a time where, being black playing sports was still dangerous you know and you were still seen as you know dangerous threat this and that um he would always you know he that was one thing he was always big on with us was hey you gotta be that much better than the next guy because they're not going to give you the same room as they give the next guy to mess up you know um did you so understand that, that when he was saying that to you back then no not at all, because when, uh, you know, when I was playing, when I was younger, 
you know, high school, middle school, stuff like that, you're playing on a team of, you know, some teens, 12, 13, 14, you know, kids on the team, travel ball, and you got your nine players, you know, that play, maybe 10 or 11, maybe a couple guys, seven, whatever. You know, but when you get to that college level and your numbers are up and you're bringing in new guys every year, and, hey, if you, you know, something happens, scholarship's gone, or they're recruiting another kid to come in and take your spot, you know what I mean? So I didn't understand that until I got to college when I started to see, hey, you know, I had, you know, one off week, one whatever, we're off to my standards, but you compare me to the, the rest of the class, I, we're, we're right there, you know? But that off week, off day for me dropped me to the bottom of the totem pole, you know what I mean? They are ways harder on us, man. Way harsher punishments. And it all goes back to, you know what, but that's going to have to be part three because I don't think I can, I don't think I got the energy or mental capacity to talk about that tonight. But definitely, I agree 1000%. Um, I think that's something that we talked about a while ago was, um, and the video I had sent you, I talked about being even dark skin, that making a huge difference, colorism making a huge difference also yeah. when it comes to punishments and even with the people who look like us, it's, it's the same thing. The expectations are different. Um, the punishments are different. Everything is completely different. Talk about, um, you talked about like, you know, you, got, you just got done in May and you, but you recognize even before you finished playing, um, that you were having identity issues and that everything was about your sport. So yeah. now that you're done with baseball, how, even though people still coming up to you, you baseball miles forever, you know this, yeah. but how is Miles taking care of himself and making sure that he keeps that identity separate? Um, I haven't, I mean, I, I barely watch baseball anymore. I think I picked up about one or two times. I've thrown a ball maybe once since May. Um, I've, done whatever I could to try and separate myself from the game. Love it. You know, I appreciate everything I did for him, this and that. But for me, that chapter of my life is closed. And I do not want to reopen it. I'm very content with, you know, the friends I made, the memories I had, the lessons I learned, all that stuff. I worked as hard as I could to get to the level I could. And at the end of the day, didn't get to the level I wanted to. And that's okay. I'm, I'm content with that. So for me, I'm like, hey, I don't want to, I mean, and this even goes back to like the, the Michael Valley tournament and, you know, just, you know, playing in recreational leagues or stuff like that. I'm like, dude, I don't want to, I'm good. You know, I played collegiately and that was the highest level I got to. I, the game took a lot out of me and I'm closed, signed off. I'm good. Because you, you know wipe your hands of it, huh? Exactly. For me, <laughs> I feel that. For me, like keeping keeping on playing, you know, whether it be, you know, softball leagues or little softball tournaments here and there, you know, for me, it's like leaving the book open a little bit, you know, because the, the softball tournament, you know, the softball league could lead to a bigger league. You know? And now they have a travel softball team where they go out and play every weekend and do this, not and the other. I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm cool. I do what I could. My body knew what it could, my, my mind knew what it could, like I'm, I'm straight. So for me, I'm away from the game every way that I could be. I watch it from now, from time to time. Um, but what I am getting more into is women's softball. I got some friends that play professional softball 
up in the Athletes Unlimited League. Shout out Athletes mm-hmm. Unlimited, great league, um, great new organization starting up. But I'm really, you know, big into supporting them at this point. You know, that's it's new for them. It's new for me. They started it on the back end of my career. So it was something, you know, as a friend, I can, hey, hop on, you know, show some love for them, stuff like that. But yeah, I'm away from the game. And I was fortunate enough to find a passion for helping people on the back end of my career. And for me, like it resonated, you know, and it really like clicked for me. You know, rest in peace, Kobe. I saw a Kobe interview. I'm big on on interviews. I like to see how people think and stuff like that. So I was watching a Kobe interview, and he was talking about how towards, you know, the early 2000s, early 2010s, if I remember right, he started to find his love for writing. When he did that short film and stuff like that, he started to, he said he would write on the plane rides. And that's how he found his passion after basketball. So he said... He said, you know, I started to follow my passion towards the end of my career while I was still playing. So it made that transition easier when I got done dribbling the ball that I could completely stay in stride with my life and just step into something else more fully. So for me, that helped because at first, you know, when I first, when COVID hit and I first officially like retired, I was like, hey, I'm done. I didn't have no clue. I didn't have that other passion to where I was like, hey, I can step into that. But I was fortunate enough to get that other year, started my master's program to where when May 7th hit and that last pitch was thrown, you know, yeah, it hurt, you know, to have to know everything was done. But at the same time, I was like, hey, I already know what I'm walking into next, you know, so now we're getting ready for that. You know, I had summer school uh, for my master's program like 10 days later. Yeah. So I mean, see what books I need. Let me see where my class is at. This and that. Awesome. Yeah. So that helped for me to transition. That's, you know, a piece of advice I have for all those athletes listening is, yeah, I'm sure you love your sport and that's amazing. Love it. Work hard at it, but go try and find a hobby. That's what my dad would always tell me when I was, you know, a younger college athlete and I didn't listen and I should have, but I didn't, but go out there and find a hobby, you know, Find something you like to do outside of your sport. Spend some time, art, movies, whatever. Whatever you like to do, go try something. Go see what you like. So that way, you know, when sports is going bad, when you need an outlet, you got an outlet. Mm-hmm. When the time is done where you're not playing no more, you got something else to step into. And at the very least, you have something to take your mind off things. That's something that you can do to enjoy yourself. Because, you know, you know how it is. When your game is going bad, and that's the only outlet you have. Now, what the hell am I supposed to do? You know? Yeah. That's crazy, man. And now that we're talking about it, I can remember literally the first time I can remember my dad telling me that same thing. And I was young, really, really young. So it's crazy. I can even recall it. And we were, I think we were at a park and uh, we did a park at home. And uh, it's the only two places I went besides school. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) not like the kids nowadays, they don't go nowhere. Um, But yeah, I remember him telling me I had to find a hobby because, you know, I was already taking it so seriously and I was getting so like, angry if I would miss one shot I was pissed my look I thought I was MJ times a thousand you couldn't tell me nothing and he had my dad I was just on another (laughs) session yeah I was on another another session before this and I was telling her like my dad has given me so much great advice 
And um, that's something that he definitely told me was to find a hobby because I was taking it too seriously. And at some point, I wasn't going to love it anymore, even like it anymore, because it was going to consume me. And he made me didn't use those exact words, but essentially that's what he was saying. And, um, you know, it's kind of when we look back, it kind of sucks that we didn't understand certain stuff. But I really believe that um, if my journey didn't go the way that it did, I wouldn't be able to serve people the way that I need to serve them because I wouldn't have this experience. I wouldn't have this knowledge. I wouldn't be as relatable. How many people can relate to LeBron and for women's basketball, Maya Moore, Brianna Stewart. Um, I'm not too big on football and baseball, but all the good people in those sports, we can't, we used to, a lot of us can't relate to them, but a yeah. lot of people can relate to me and you who, who did go off and do something and end up coming back home. Ain't nothing wrong with coming back home. Um, yeah. Sometimes you come back home for a little bit. Sometimes you come, you stay home and that, either way it's fine. It's what you do with where you are at. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I wish that I listened to a lot of the stuff my parents told me, but it's, it's never too late with some stuff. Cause like I wrap myself up in everything that I do, even the podcast. So it's still that, that advice is very applicable still. And thank you for sharing that. You must've read my mind. Cause that was my next question. <laughs> advice. So thank you. Uh, but they, it was something else I wanted to ask you though. I know I wanted to ask you, like, do you ever think you'll play for fun? Now, that's not my main question, but as, okay. answer that, and then I'm, hopefully I think about it. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. Um, it really just depends for me on where my head's at with it. You know, it's not so much, you know, a matter of, you know, will I physically be able to do it because my body – I didn't take anything significant. It's not like I tore ligaments or anything like that. Um, so I'm never not so much worried about that. But for me, like I like I said before, I'm more so worried about do I want to open up that chapter for me again? You know, because I'm the type where like, hey, if I'm going to play, then I'm going to go, you know, get ready to play. I'm not just going to show up one day and go play. I'm going to go take swings. I'm going to take throws. I'm going to, you know do my movements and stuff like that in the week or a couple of weeks prior to make sure hey, my body's used to doing this stuff again, you know? Absolutely. So for me, and, and I don't want that to, to be a slippery slope for me mentally or me emotionally to get invested in it again. Cause I mean, we both competed at a high level and I don't know many people that have competed at our level that can compete casually. That's not a thing. That's you know? real. That's not a thing. I'm not going to go out there to just go through the motions. I can't even train or coach kids, Miles. I'm too competitive. I'm like, bro, y'all suck. Give me the ball. Let's go. I can't can't. even train nobody. It's bad. Exactly. (laughs) I think, you know, Derek Jeter had a quote um, where he was like, yeah, if I play you in anything, I'm trying to win. If I play you in checkers, I'm trying to win. And I am not same way. I'm not not going to go out there to go through the motions. And for me, I don't want that to unlock something mentally and open that door back up for me again to where I'm like, hey, like I'm, you know, I don't want that to come back to the forefront of my life. Exactly. I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever play again, you know, mm-hmm. recreationally or not. Um, the, the thought has crossed my mind from time to time because you go out there and, you know, you see people compete and you're like, ah, I want to, I want to do mm-hmm. it. But then, you know, that emotion wears off a little bit and then, you know, you get to start thinking like, hey, like, is this, is this, 
really the best thing for you? And I don't know. I can't, I can't say yes or no. Um, but I can say it will depend on where I'm at, you know, mentally and emotionally with the pretty much the idea and the reality of stepping back on a field again in whatever capacity that it is. I feel that it took me a while after I stopped playing and everybody, even my family asked me those same questions. Why don't you play no more? You don't even touch the basketball. You don't want to go to the park. No, I don't want to do shit. I just finished playing for my whole life. I don't even want to look at a basketball. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to do nothing. Like I just want to lay here and be unbothered for once in my life. So I definitely feel that. And it wasn't that I wanted to ask you anything. I wanted to say that it's great that you heard that Kobe quote because when you are, when you know that you did everything that you could and you feel like you've gotten everything you could out of it, you're done. Like it, you are fine with where you left off at. And that's so hard for other people because they probably didn't give it their all. They didn't make it as far as they wanted to. We did everything that we wanted to and could do with what we had with, with the game. So, um, you know, it, I don't think there's anything wrong if you never pick up a ball or a bat again. And if you don't teach your kids how to play, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that because it's, you did it. You already did it. You did what you wanted to do. And that's a huge accomplishment. And like you said, there aren't too many people who make it to where we went or definitely past that. It's so hard. And not saying that like, you know, in a bad way, the shit is just hard. We worked really hard yeah. to get what we got. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And God, also, we got God-given talent. You, you don't just wake up and, you know, are like this. Um, it takes a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and definitely some God-given ability. So um, it ain't nothing wrong with it. If you don't, if you want to take your stuff down, I, I even took some of my stuff down. Um, I, just, I put it back up because I got to interview y'all. But I, <laughs> I, I didn't, for a little bit, like, I didn't want to see it because, Recently, like I've been just trying to um, just heal, just connect with my inner child, you know, yeah. and she's hurt. She is very hurt because her basketball career didn't go the way that it went. So I had to take it down so that I could like really, you know, go through it. Now I put it back up. It's fine. It's cool. I'm looking at it. Yeah. You know, I can I can somewhat connect with it. But honest to God, Miles, I don't remember. And I know a lot of people say this, too. They don't remember these you know the tournaments and stuff like that like Serena some of her grand slams you know that she just won a couple years ago she don't even remember nothing about it but um I just don't connect with the basketball part of me at all so like you talked about identity identity issues I completely disassociated while I was playing like a long time ago I completely disassociated from that person instead of like being okay with Samari being Samari, but she she's also good at basketball. I just didn't want to be associated with basketball at all. Now that makes sense. And that's, you know, that's the hard part is finding that strength and finding the ability to disassociate from, you know, how do you go about it? It's easier said than done, you know, and to those athletes out there, that's, it's easier said than done, you know, when you have your sport, six days a week that takes up most if not all of your days how do you step away outside of yourself to be like hey I'm miles the person I'm smarter the person I'm so-and-so the person not so-and-so the athlete I'm more than the practice I'm more than the game more than the workouts whatever um so like talk to people a little bit about like like how you went about like disassociating yourself was it like boundaries was it, hey, I'm only going to allow myself to do this, you know, for this amount of time that I'm going to take time for myself? Like, how did you go about that? Because I'm sure we went about it different ways. I'm sure that people would 
definitely learn something from each of how we're interviewing me now okay um put me on the spot so for me it was in a very 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 unhealthy way so it was like um a lot of daydreaming a lot of wishing that i was somewhere else um i'll be in practice and would intentionally and this was like in college too but it started very early middle school high school where i would just intentionally think about anything else but basketball and um you know that's i think also what used to bother me a lot is that i wasn't nearly as mentally healthy as i needed to be and and should have been and was still killing so like how good what could i have been i had to let that go because again my story is my story for a reason but so what i again this is this is all extremely unhealthy so i don't advise anybody to do this but to get back on track to like recently it was it happened after i stopped playing was that i had to accept that one i was done that i that i made the decision to stop playing basketball and and i had to go through you know why why didn't i love the game no more um you know what was it that really bothered me so it just i had to keep going backwards 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 to now i can accept um accept that i played i can accept that things hurt me along my career, whether it was family or people on blogs, teammates, whoever, I can accept those things and be okay with it. Um, I can accept that I played as hard as I could with with the health, you know, the state that I was in mentally, um, even physically, because eventually that stress and anxiety weighs on your body. Um, so there wasn't much I could do at a point, especially once I got to college. Um, so I had to go acceptance, the key word, to put it very simply, acceptance and letting go, um, empathizing with people, forgiving them, understanding, you know, it's hard to, for me personally, because I love people and I want everybody to love me, is that people really like be hating on you and you competing with you and whole time, like you said, you just want to be miles the person and samari the person like you can't compete with samari the basketball player anyway but i'm not even that type of person to think like that now i am because i need to you know if ain't nobody else gonna up me as a dark-skinned black woman i gotta do it myself but <laughs> uh, but nah i used to be cocky too back in my day that's why everybody didn't like me but seriously though like you um you have to <sighs> when you are healing accept acceptance and and it it's hard to go back without blaming people and that was the hardest part for me was i was blaming everybody like if this person had been nicer and if my dad had did this my mom had did this but i had to accept that they couldn't do those things because somebody didn't teach them how to do it and again while that's not my fucking problem i had to get over it because what was i going to do about it i'm 29 that girl my, samari was seven eight nine ten all the way up so like am i going to keep being hurt which is hard to say like am i going to just you know because you don't want to tell yourself to get the fuck over is what i'm trying to say but you have to eventually like just let it go not get over it but let it go feel it heal it let it go that's it yeah but don't do it in an unhealthy way because that took me down a complete um just this word keeps coming up there's this phrase rabbit hole just going down 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 and hanging out with the wrong people doing the wrong things saying the wrong things um, and just trying to be this person that I wasn't to, um, and, you know, to the point that it still affects me to this day, being my authentic self, which I know we all go through it. For me, it's difficult to accept because I have, I thought I always knew who I was and that's not who I was. So all that comes from 
practicing the disassociating for so long. Yeah, no, that I definitely, you know, resonate with what you said, especially, you know, in the beginning part of it, you talk about mentally you weren't in the right space to step in in the situation. And, you know, the more I think back about this is probably, you know, a year or two ago where I really had to come to the acceptance that, you know, when I left high school, going to Fresno State, specifically in that environment, mentally, I was not in the right space to go and play Division One baseball at that school, at least. I'm not, I can't speak to other programs besides the ones that I was in. But mentally, I was not in the right place for it um, because it was my identity, you know, 100%. Um, you know, I, like most Division One athletes as freshmen, they were the kid in high school. They were the dude, you know what I mean? That's the recognition. That's, you yeah. know, the identity that they had. That's how everyone associated them, you know? So when you get to college, you're still that same in you know, you're still that same person in the classroom, you know, introductions, hey, I'm Miles, um, you know, from this where I'm on the baseball team, everyone, you're an athlete, yeah. an athlete? you know, so it's like in for the rest of the semester, it's oh, yeah, how's baseball going? Oh, this and that. Oh, this and that. Yeah. Walk around campus and nine times out of ten, you're in your team issue gear because that's, let's be honest, that's like all we wear because exactly. you know, we always have practice. We always have something. So might as well not change as much as we can. So let's just wear the team gear so everyone knows. Oh, he's an athlete. She's an athlete. Oh, they're on this team. This and that. You know, so I got there and mentally I wasn't, I didn't have any type of outlet besides baseball. So mm. when baseball wasn't going well, my whole life was shit. Yeah. Baseball was base when baseball wasn't going well. School was still going fine. I still took care of business because had to stay eligible. You know how it is. So, <laughs> but me when, feel. <laughs> yeah. So when baseball wasn't going well, I was not that it was that way for shoot the majority of my life. Really, the majority of my career, baseball wasn't going, and everything else was affected. Mm. I wasn't, you know. I didn't have the ability at the time to disassociate from it. So for me, like what allowed me to do was I had to stop training as much. I had to stop doing the video. I had to stop trying to trying to piece things together from different people. I had to stop, you know, throwing or hitting as much. I had to step away from it from that perspective. I got to a point where practice was over. I was over. Because mentally, I, I couldn't stay in that same space for all that time because it would just consume all the thoughts and I get information overload. You know, mm -hmm. I seek out all this information on whatever I was struggling with. And then I, you know, I, it got to a point where my head and my identity was filled with everyone else's opinion, you know, because I just wanted all the information that I could and I couldn't think for myself. So that was what helped me. I had to step away from all the information that I was getting and start to think for myself. And that's when I started to, to think for myself and you know, create my own ideas and start to unveil my own personality a little bit. Because I was no longer trying to portray this image of a certain athlete or trying to do this certain move of a certain athlete. Not to say well, the young athletes out there shouldn't go out there and, and try and pick things up from other people's game, you know, but do so in a manner where you're not 
trying to be a carbon copy of another person. You know, there's a fine line between that stuff. So for me, that's what I had to realize. And another thing that, that helped me was boundaries with my family. You know, I had to tell my parents, hey, I don't want you to ask about games anymore. We're in an age where all the stats are online. So if you want to know about a game, <laughs> online, Yo. The game. you know, I don't want to hear anymore. How'd the game go? What'd you do in the game? Why'd this happen? Then I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. Y'all can't brave nowadays. I wish I would have told my daddy (laughs) to ask. (laughs) What? Y'all. I was able to how I how I did it though. Kids were saying you gotta do it in the right way. You know how I did I felt like it was a good way because I asked them to do it and then I explained to them, hey, this is why I need you to do it. I'm struggling with this. I need you guys to do this so that way it helps me not struggle with this. We can talk about I said we can talk about anything you want. Just please do not ask me about the games after the games because I'm struggling with this. Do not go out there and text your parents, hey, don't don't text me. Don't talk to me about this, not the other. It won't go well. Don't do it. But it's a good lesson in communication. You know, explain to them, hey, this is what I need you to do, and this is why I need you to do it. Please help me out. Because at the end of the day, they are still your parents. So if you tell them, hey, I'm struggling with something, more often than not, they will help you. So communicate, and that's, you know, just a general lesson for you kids out there. Anyway, communicate what you need. Do not expect people to read your mind because they will not. <laughs> mm, that's deep. And with that, I'm going to leave it right there, Miles. I don't think you could do no better. Hey, you can't <laughs> end it no better than that. Communication is key. Open yeah. up that mouth, ask, and you shall receive. Yep, close mouths oh. don't get fed. Hey, there we go. Yes, sir. <laughs> Miles, thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. We might have to do like a little series or something together. We got a link. Yeah, of course. I got, I got, listen, I got internship. I got at least one night a week that I'm free. Bet. We're going to talk about it. I appreciate you, my man. your truth thank you for tuning in i hope you enjoyed today's episode please take a look at today's show notes for any questions you may have and more information on today's guests if there's anything that i did not answer you know where to find me